And good morning and welcome to the Harmony Ministries Sunday morning live stream service. It is April 26th, as far as I can remember, because the days are all blending together. But we are here, um, and we are here to worship, and we invite you from your homes or from wherever you're watching to join with us as we sing and as we hear from the Word. We're going to open with a praise to the Lord Almighty. Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Praise Him in glad adoration. To the Lord who wore all things so wondrously reigned Shelters thee under his wings, yes, so gently sustained Hast thou not seen how thy desires have been Planted in what he ordained Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend me. Surely His goodness and mercy here daily attend me. Wonder anew what the Almighty can do. If with His love He befriend me. Harmony Ministries online service for Sunday, April 26th, 2020. Um, we are glad to have you with us if you're tuning in, and we are glad to be able to uh, continue to worship together even though we're not together. Um, I'm going to read from Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. 
because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. We're going to sing together now unto your name. Unto your name, glory and honor, unto your name, wisdom and power, unto your name, all of the saints sing praise. 
To your name, all glory, honor, and power. Revelation 4, verse 11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created.
blessing, honor, and glory. For you are our Savior, King on high, who will reign forever and ever. And in this time of uncertainty, you are God on the throne. In this time of anxiety, you calm all our fears. You give us hope. You give us grace. You give us peace. You give us love. Keep our eyes fixed on you in this time, Lord. Help us in Jesus' name. Isaiah 6, 1 to 3 says, In the year of King Isaiah's visit, death, I'm sorry, the year of King Isaiah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. John is going to come with a quick word for us. Little green dot. This is just like being in the auditorium class. And uh, this week I'm not singing any songs. I'm going to try to keep my employment if possible. And uh, instead, what came to my mind this morning, I hope you uh, were able to enjoy with your children the earlier program. And, uh, but if not, I wanted to take just a minute for a word of prayer about our kids. And um, 
it, it harks back to a time when I was at a training session with a group of people who were learning how to fight back against temptation and sexual confusion and everything else. And in one of the sessions, a dear sister was teaching about the blessing that a Jewish father gives to his family. And I think the people in that room understood the power of that, the power of blessing and not having blessing. And as I listened to it, the spirit just broke me and uh, spoke deeply to me and how important it is for our kids to know that they have the encouragement and love, but also a faith, belief, blessing, desire for our children. So I'm going to ask you who are at home to bear with me again. Have your children stand in front of you, in front of your TV or computer screen or wherever it is. Have your kids stand there for just a minute. And I'm going to ask you parents, maybe you're not used to this kind of thing, but I'm going to stretch you a little bit. Reach out with your hands, lay your hands on your children, and join me as I pray a prayer of blessing for them the way you would have wanted it for yourselves. Maybe you never got it, but don't let your children miss the opportunity, not just with what I'm doing now, but in days ahead as well. Let's pray together. Lay your hands on your kids. We do that, Lord, by faith today. In the name of Jesus, we come. And we pray blessing upon our children. Our children are precious to us. And Lord, we need to be reminded we are precious to you as your children. You value us and you want to bless us. And our time in the word today is about your blessing. And we want your blessing for us. But we especially, I know as parents, our heart's desire is that our children receive a blessing. And I pray that even adult children that are listening in today would sense the blessing and favor of God through their fathers and mothers, desiring their children to be blessed, to be under the favor of the living God, to be aligned with him. Our master Jesus, you said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And Lord, our desire for our children is that they would connect with our great Savior Jesus, that they might not only have life and a full life and an enjoyable life, but an abundant life, a life with your favor, a life with alignment with the living God. How thrilled I am if, I, if my children go out beyond me like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of our youth, that they would go way beyond where we're standing. And that they would go way beyond, not only in the world, but in the spiritual realm as well, walking with our Savior Jesus. In these desperate days, maybe close to the end, we want children that are mighty in spirit because of your blessing. So put your favor on our kids. Let them know you better than we do. We pray for your help in this and ask and command a blessing in the great name of Jesus, our Savior, who blessed us. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you today. Pastor Tim is going to come and catch us up on a few bullets. And then we'll be seeing a video from our Christian school children who are thanking and blessing their teachers. You want to watch that until I come back. All right, good morning again. And uh, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, and statements to make uh, a special thanks to our Harmony Strong group. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who that is, that's the, uh, the the women in the church who have stepped up in a huge way to uh, help in terms of uh, providing gift baskets for people, uh, items for the uh, nursing homes in the area. And uh, the word that we have for today is overwhelmed. And uh, sometimes that's a, a negative word, especially given the situation we've been in. But uh, this is the best word to describe how we all feel because of the generosity and thoughtfulness of the Harmony families. Um, this is some of the reports that we're getting back from our, our local uh, nursing homes and the people we've been helping. Uh, the Montgomery Nursing Home was the most recent. It says they were overwhelmed with the amount of cookies they received and so appreciative of our gesture. And uh, that's all on you guys. Uh, really awesome to see that we've taken this upward, inward, outward, and it's really starting to flow out now.
so what's next? Uh, over the next week or so, uh, we'll be looking for canned fruit for the food pantry. And we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, more items for gift baskets and cookies and cards for the Highland Nursing Home. If you're interested in donating and being a part of this, uh, please have this delivered by 3 p.m. on Wednesday, this Wednesday, 429. Uh, again, we're really appreciating all uh, that everybody's doing to pitch in. Uh, we'll put a picture up later, but we were donated a truckload of goodies for the food pantry, and that was on the behalf of the Circleville Fire Department. And uh, so we, we appreciate that. We're very grateful for, for them reaching out to us and, and providing us with, uh, with food. Uh, you heard this past week that we had more people show up than we expected, but you know what? We're meeting needs, and God is meeting our needs. So that's awesome to see. Also, uh, we do have some local churches in the area, I think of Goodwill, who's um, uh, challenging some of their, their people as well to uh, donate to our food pantry to help. And later this afternoon, they're actually going to be putting in a little plug for us. And um, we greatly, greatly appreciate that. So the last couple of things before I exit stage left. Uh, mm -hmm. If you have teens or students, 6th through 12th grade, we are still meeting with Ignite. We're meeting on Wednesday nights. We're doing our home sessions. Uh, we have a little video to watch for each week leading up to it, and then we have some fun discussing it on Zoom. Uh, that's our new favorite buzzword, Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Zoom, uh, next Sunday is the first Sunday in May. And uh, you can expect that we'll have a Zoom prayer meeting again. Uh, if you weren't able to make it last time, it was really great to see everybody's face. And uh, we won't mention who was picking their nose, um, but um, your cameras are on. So keep that <laughs> in mind. Uh, last thing before I pray, uh, just a special note that we received. Uh, and I'm just going to share a part of it, and we're going to keep it anonymous. It says uh, we were caught off guard by being diagnosed with this virus, and everything has been quite upside down for us this month. And to know that our church family has been praying for us and uh, to receive that physical means of grace from you all means more to us than you may realize. God bless each of you in your service and your open heart to honor him through loving your neighbor. Thank you for uplifting and encouraging us and for so willingly being Jesus' hands and feet. Um, that's what it's about. And that's uh, ultimately, you know, we, we, we've been pushing this upward, inward, outward. And um, it's great to see that not only does it seem to be getting traction in some of the circles, but it's actually gaining traction in action. And um, that's, uh, that's awesome. So join me as we pray and then uh, stick around for our video. Father, we know that you're moving and working with us. And uh, overwhelmed is a, is a word that can probably cover a spectrum of feelings and thoughts and emotions, especially right now. Uh, but we are overwhelmed by your love and your mercy and your grace. And, and God, the invitation that you've laid out in Scripture to find peace in you, uh, to stand in your strength, and to experience joy, even in situations where we can't find it. So, Father, we give you praise and thank you that we have um, hands and feet that are out in the community, that are meeting people's needs. Lord, that we... Um, uh, we're being servants, and we're putting others first. And um, it's just an awesome thought that this is a, a, a maturation of, of, of our church and our, our body, and uh, we love to see it. But, God, we know that you are the reason behind it, that you're getting people's attention, you're changing lives, uh, you're guiding us, and you're directing us. And, God, we just pray that that would continue. And uh, even in the future, as, as um, the quarantine is lifted or uh, we're, we're back to meeting in our building, God, that these uh, disciplines, these spiritual disciplines that we're working and, and building and, and, and kind of uh, strengthening now, God, that they would just continue. And they would continue with the right heart attitude. So be with those today, Father, who are are in fear, those who are in need of comforting, those who have lost loved ones, God, that you would just uh, give them peace, that you would give them comfort, that you would give them guidance, and not just a regular, uh, but a supernatural blessing of these things. So God, we ask these things in, in your name, in your precious son's name, we pray. Amen. Guys, in a real champion. We love you, we miss you, and please stay safe. Love you guys. I love you, Harmony Kisses. Goodbye. I love you, I miss you, Harmony Kisses family. We love you. Hey, Harmony 
teachers. Guess what? We miss you. We're thinking of you. God bless you. We pray that this pandemic ends soon. I miss Lauren with all the other teachers. Thank you for all your hard work and thank you for teaching me all these years. I miss you and I know you miss my swan. Hi, Mrs. Haney. I miss you and I miss the fun things that we do in our class. God bless you. Well, welcome back, Harmony, and all those who are listening in. We're still kind of getting a handle on being live uh, from the uh, studio audience here, and uh, we're uh, learning as we go, and I tell you, our tech team has been absolutely phenomenal, and thank you, worship team, for great songs today. Uh, really, you may have noticed, heavily Jesus-focused, upward-focused, and uplifting. By the way, those of you who are... Uh, tuning in to our sessions, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube and also the Fireside Chats. Uh, if you're part of the family, keep praying for us. You never know who we're going to touch or where it's going to end up. I'm kind of surprised. My last Fireside Chat, I, uh, I did a little put a candle in the window for hope for people that I stole from uh, people up in the neighborhood of Albany, and I've heard now that it bounced back. So shout out to you guys up north that are listening that uh, they've been posting it around with uh, school teachers, what have you, and so you never know to whom the Holy Spirit may speak life through any of that. So we want to ask God to just bless it and bring people to know him and trust in him and rest and maybe have some comfort in the middle, middle of all of this. Also, I want to say, I've told you before, I can't comment while you're Facebooking, commenting today. You're all saying hi to each other. I'm not saying, well, I'm just going to say hi to all of you, okay? So hi, and uh, later I get to look at it sometimes. What's the matter? Oh, hi. My, my audience, my studio audience is hiing at me. Uh, so hi to everybody, and thank you for those little comments, and I love it when there's an amen. I get to read them later, and uh, so make sure you don't say anything you don't want me to see, because I may see it. And saying hi and amening and uh, catching something that maybe speaks to you is really great. I had a couple that I noticed last week, and I wanted to mention them. One was uh, someone named Sarah. She knows who she is. When I mentioned that God has the right to test the hearts of his people, she responded, he tests us to show us us. I thought that was great, because God knows all about us, so if he's testing us, He's helping us see our own selves, which I thought was great insight. And then a sister, Linda, said this. We want our kids to trust us because it was all about Abraham last week, trusting God in a difficult circumstance, in a time of testing. We want our kids to trust us without question. Why wouldn't God want the same from us? That does make sense, doesn't it? So we're all on a journey. It's a uh, for some of us, hard, for others of us, uh, easier to trust God and walk along in this journey, especially when we are tested. Well, today's passage is the first uh, three verses of the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. We're in a series called Better Things, and I'm telling you, the title, Better Things, really ought to resonate today. Because if you don't get anything out of this morning, you should get two takeaways now, I hope you won't say, oh, good, I've heard enough and turn it off now. But there's two takeaways. Jesus is amazingly great. We sang about he is worthy today. And number two, his greatness re requires or demands a response. Pretty easy, right? I got an amen from one person out there. Jesus is great and his greatness demands a response. I was driving here today, and I was reminded, even with the roads being quiet, I came to an intersection out in the, uh, out in the, the Thule's there where I drive coming in to, to Middletown area, and uh, there was three or four vehicles at the intersection. It was amazing. There's nobody else on the road hardly. All of a sudden, there's this convergence. 
And as I saw the person across the way, I had the right of way. He had a signal to turn left in front of me. And I stopped. I flashed my lights to give him permission to go. He got the message. He went across the intersection. And then I proceeded on my way. And um, as I often do, I sarcastically said, you're welcome, because I didn't get a single response. Have you ever had that happen when you're driving and you're particularly polite to somebody? You make way for them, and they don't even acknowledge your existence. Small potatoes, not a big deal. But my little sinful nature says, you're welcome. Anybody else out there relate? All right, my point is, being kind to another person, you expect some kind of response. When G- and I love it when people do, when they say thanks. I tell my wife, they said thank you, they said thank you. Like, that's a big special thing. <laughs> it should be normal. When Jesus was on the earth and he ministered to people, a few weeks ago we talked about the lepers who were healed. Ten of them. One came back to say thank you. One came back to worship Jesus and give him the glory that was due him. The Gadarene demoniac, great story, right? In Mark chapter 5, you can read it for yourself. He gets rescued from a ton of demonic strongholds. And when he's done with that, he comes to Jesus and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm in. I'm yours. That's my response. And Jesus says, I want you to go home and tell everybody the great things God has done for you. Zacchaeus, the wee little man. No, I'm not going to sing it. The wee little man. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to go to your house today. He's so excited that Jesus is going to come to him, his home. He's a tax gatherer. He's an outcast. And, uh, you know, staturally, how, how would you say it, challenged. And Jesus is spending time with him. He's so excited. At one point, he interrupts dinner and says, behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. That was his response. A response is appropriate. Look, Lord, you've done so much for me, I want to do something in response. Let me quickly go through my first point, which is just to remind us where we were last week. We already mentioned it was about the story of Abraham, the sacrifice of his son Isaac, which didn't have to happen, thankfully, because God intervened. But Abraham trusted God, and he trusted this one who is trustworthy. Let me show you the verse that closes the last chapter, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. It says this, This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus has not gone into the physical temple. He's gone into the heavenly temple, into the presence of God. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he has secured our place there. Didn't he say, I go to prepare a place for you? And if I prepare a place for you, guess what? You're going to come there with me. He has secured it. We have hope in this. We can have assurance if we believe God's word. Jesus priesthood still intercedes on our behalf, and it's better than the priesthood of Aaron. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Then there's a psalm that says how Jesus, who did not come from the tribe of Levi, technically didn't have the right credentials to be a priest, because priests are appointed directly by God. And David, prophesying, who knows the law, knows the Aaronic priesthood, has worshipped in the temple with the Aaronic priests in charge, writes this in Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn. By the way, this is the psalm that starts out. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David saying, my Lord, the Messiah, God the Father speaking to him, saying, I'm going to give you victory. And he adds this. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I wonder how many of us are going, who the heck is Melchizedek? What is that all about? Who ever heard of this guy? Melchizedek, a picture of the greatest priest we have described in the scripture, believe it or not. Jesus has been ordained as a priest. Priests make 
atonement for sinners and reconcile God to man and man to God. And our master Jesus has done that for us and he's secured the way with his blood. What can wash away my sin, friends? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, our great high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, of course, we're going to explain it. But that's why we sang this morning, he is worthy and fairest Lord Jesus and all of those upward looking songs that talk about the greatness of our fabulous savior, the Lord Jesus. Well, that brings me to my text for today. All right. Chapter seven, the first three verses. Here we go. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all, follow this, by the translation of his name, the hermeneutics of his name, that's literally the Greek word, king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Let me park there for a second. Let's unpack the meaning of his names. If you're... Hebrew background allows you to pray like this, Sometimes when I don't know how to pray for my food, that's how I start. Blessed art thou, O Lord, King of the universe, Melech Olam. His name is Melech Zedek. Zedek is righteousness. Melech is the word for king. King of righteousness and also king of shalom. We don't know exactly, but probably it's a nickname or a shortened version for Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the Prince of Peace. That resonates, doesn't it, to remind you of another person? King of Righteousness, Prince of Peace, I think you're starting to connect the dots. Here's the rest of the story about Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning nor an end of life, but made like the Son of God, he abides a priest perpetually, in perpetuity, forever. And thank you for that comment. Those of you who knew that was from Sandlot, forever. He remains a priest forever. Wonderful. A description. Here's the second thing about Melchizedek. We get his names, but he's also a type. A type is something that God has ordained in true, real history to be a picture of something that's coming. David and Solomon were both types of the kingly reign of the righteous Messiah who was to come. Melchizedek is a type of Jesus in his priestly role. For those who have been trained in scripture, you know that Jesus has three roles, right? Prophet, priest, and king. And this is about his priesthood. And it says, not that Melchizedek literally hadn't, he wasn't an alien. He wasn't a clone. He wasn't uh, an angel that showed up. He was a human being. But we don't have a record of his genealogy, either past or after his beginning or his end. We don't have a record. He comes on the scene and he blows out. We don't know anything else. It's kind of like the son of God coming into the world with no human father. Not like the Aaronic priesthood who had to have their heritage nailed down and clearly recorded. No, this priesthood doesn't have to have that beginning or end because it's directly appointed by God. A picture of the Lord Jesus Christ ordained by God as a priest forever to intercede and rescue his children. By the way, there's little sidebars. I can't take time this morning. People think that he's Seth from the, you know, the the Adamic age from way back then, and uh, some think he's an angel or a manifestation of Jesus. No. If we believe the context here, He has no record of his genealogy. The best explanation is that that's not true. What's the matter? I keep looking at you. Okay, everybody, I'm getting corrected here in the studio audience. I'm looking at you. Looking. All right, this week, now, we've talked about the background. We want to talk about this person who trusted God and what happened in some of his story. We want to look at this response of a true truster of the living God, if you can put it that way. His response of worship. And it goes back to Genesis, the 14th chapter. It's necessary that I give you a very quick reminder. 
We actually looked at this back in November. But Abraham had a nephew, Lot. You know the story probably. You can read it for yourselves in the book of Genesis. Lot wanted the lush land around Sodom and Gomorrah. You recognize those names. Actually, four city-states, maybe five there, little towns. But they're called cities, and they have their own kings, their own rulers. And he was living in that area. Those kings had rebelled. They stopped paying taxes to the feds. They stopped. And the feds had an appointed man, Kedor Leomer was his name. He gathered up a bunch of kings with him to come down and invade the entire area. So he goes on this large campaign, takes people captive, takes everything they own, and Lot gets captured. And Abraham goes to God and says, this is my nephew. You've got to help me out here. Uh, I need your help. And because he trusted the Lord, he gathers his 318 men and maybe a few neighbors as a small little hit squad. And they chase thousands of soldiers and they annihilate them. It had to be a God thing. And here's what happened. Chapter 14, starting in verse 17 through 20 in the book of Genesis. Then after his return from the defeat of Kedor Laomer, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the Valley of Sheva. That's a story that he wanted to tell Abraham, keep all the, all the spoils. And Abraham said, no deal. Nobody else is going to make me rich, only God. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out wine and bread. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brings out bread and wine. And he was a priest of God most high, El Elyon, the highest. We know two names in the Old Testament we have. El Shaddai, the Almighty, the completely sufficient one, and we have El Elyon, the highest, because they believe there were other gods. There aren't any, but he's the highest. El Elyon, the ultimate. Melchizedek is his priest. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. Now, if you're reading the scripture, you're going, who gave who what? Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. Now, I cannot do justice to this passage and not talk about the response of worship called giving. How can I not? There's a principle here, and you'll notice this is the life of Abraham. The law doesn't come for another 450 to 500 years. This is not legalism. There's a spiritual principle, a pre-law spiritual principle of blessing and worship, of response to that which is greater. I know, and you guys know, I'm very tentative about preaching on giving because most churches have a reputation. All they want to do is get in your pocket. That's not where I'm coming from today. It's in the text, so there. I have to preach it because it's what's there. And also, I want to let you know, I'm not after your money. God doesn't need your money. Oh, everybody's on the edge of their seat now. They like this sermon. Here's the problem. It's not even your money, but that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> he owns it all. And here's, we're talking about a response. And so this, this idea of tithing goes way back into primeval history. Later, after uh, Jacob is born and he's going to be the forefather of all the children of Israel, grandson to his, uh, his grandfather, Abraham, Jacob is on his journey to make himself large. And as he goes out, he makes a commitment to God and says, if you will prosper my way, I will serve you as my God and I will give you a tenth of everything you bless me with. And he followed through and God blessed him unbelievably. Here's the commentary in the next portion of Hebrews chapter 7, verses 4 through 7. I'm going to comment in the middle. Here's where it goes. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. Those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are descended from Abraham." I have to unpack that for just a second. What he's saying is, they're all equal, children of Abraham, children of Jacob, but one group God set aside, the Levites, and out of the Levites, the Aaronic priesthood, to receive tithes from his people. 
I want to talk about simple priesthood economics, if I may. Here's how it worked. The children of Israel would take a tithe of everything that they were blessed with. They would give it to the Levites. The Levites then would be well taken care of. If God's blessing was on his people and on their crops and on their herds and everything else, they would be doing well. Then the the Levites would be doing well, and they would take a tenth, a portion, a tenth, and give that to the priests. So they would all be doing well. If we don't honor God, they wouldn't be doing so well, and then there's a trickle-down effect, as we say. That was the economic system to sustain God's kingdom business, the manifestation of his glory with the temple worship in the Old Testament. That's what it is. Now, in our portion, we're seeing that Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's more important than the Aaronic priesthood. And I hope some of us are doing a little math because there's a connection. There is. Let's finish this. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises, the great forefather of the faith, the great one that we claim as our father spiritually. Abraham was the lesser. Without a dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. There were priests in the Old Testament that were appointed by God, high priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law. The Aaronic priesthood was commissioned out of the family. And then Melchizedek is this interesting person, directly ordained by God. And Jesus is a bigger deal than Levi, Aaron, or Melchizedek. And if he's a bigger deal, then surely our response of worship should be bigger. Makes sense to me. So here we go. I want to make one brief comment on this. Lenski, the uh, really excellent uh, commentator uh, from Germany, mentioned Melchizedek did not demand a tenth from Abraham. He did not demand anything. He received it when Abraham, recognizing the priestly greatness of Melchizedek, voluntarily brought him the tenth. It was a response of worship. He's worthy. Is he worthy? Yes, he's worthy. And I want to respond physically to it. And he mentions that the tithe and the blessing, they go together. They're connected. You know, God wants to bless us. I know we never believe that, do we? He wants to bless us. He really does. And if the Old Testament had a sustaining method for the kingdom work, the church also has it. If we didn't have a church to be part of, and by the way, every one of you should connect with an assembly. It's only in the context of an assembly that we can really be stretched and grow as disciples. But if we have an assembly, the first order of the business is to make sure that assembly's need is taken care of to do kingdom work. This is a no-brainer, is it not? So I'm kind of moving on to my last point, which is to understand grace and blessing. My goal for you, if you're listening and you've never learned to be a steward, that's what it's called, I want you to grow. I'm not trying to get in your pocket. I want you to grow. I may never meet you. I want you to learn how to honor God and respond to the greater priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. But if a church is to function, just do the simple math. If one greater than Melchizedek is here, what is our response to his blessing? I think I've mentioned in the past, I had friends uh, in churches who said to me, I want you to have an evening service in case I feel like coming. People want their church to be open in case they decide to show up. You know, if you were part of a spa and you never paid dues to be part of the spa, when it closes, you have no right to complain. But we don't think that way when it comes to the church, and yet there's a part of the business that has to happen in order to sustain the Levites and the priests and those who do the kingdom work. It's logical. It's sensible. That's the first line of defense. And then from those assemblies, we send out abundance and extra to kingdom work around the world or around the neighborhood or whatever it might be. We call that missions. Hopefully you get what I'm saying. I want to make a couple of disclaimers. If you're at a position right now where you can't put food on your table and you can't pay your bills, 
You ask God to help bless you and get you out of that and figure out when and how and how much and what percentage you want to start learning to give. Your priority is to pay your bills, not to rob somebody who gave you utilities or whatever. Make sure you pay your bills. That's where you start. But most of us are in positions of blessing. By the way, I can't say thank you enough to Harmony's family the way we've continued to be blessed and have our needs met. Thank you that there are solid stewards out there that take honoring the great, greater than Melchizedek master Jesus seriously. It's obvious in your stewardship, and I praise God for that. But I also want to say that this is something that is easy to control and to learn faith by it. I can take out my wallet. I can take one bill out of ten and put it in the offering. It's an act of my will. It has nothing to do with how strong my faith is. And then see what God does to bless me and improve my faith walk as I do it. I think sometimes people have seen bad modeling, even in spiritual leaders, and so they don't follow through in the right ways, if you will. I know that there's some um, people in our assembly that are firm, co- firmly committed to this subject, which is tithing. And I'm not even talking legalistic tithing. I'm talking about a response of faith to the greatness of Jesus. Uh, I won't mention any names, but I kind of miss if my brother John would be in the room because right now he'd be going, amen. And I'd like to be able to say, can I get a witness? <laughs> I would really like to. But it's the truth. Sometimes we see bad modeling. It reminds me of a pastor's group that used to meet for accountability and prayer. And uh, they were talking about, and by the way, you should know this, in some small churches, the pastor is the chief cook and bottle washer. He collects the funds, he splits it up, he does all of that. I never want to do that. I never want to know what people give. I don't want to touch the money. I don't want to know what anybody is doing with their resources as a pastor for a reason. I don't want to be nosy. I don't want to be tempted. I don't want to get angry. None of those reasons. See, I don't want to know. And so I don't. But anyway, in some churches, they have to manage it. And so there's these three pastors who were together and they were talking about how do you handle the funding? How do you honor giving in this context as a servant of God in the church? And so the first pastor said, well, I'm pretty uh, basic. I believe what the Bible says. So everything that comes in on the plate on Sunday, I take 10% of that exactly, and I give that back to the church for its needs. The rest is my salary, okay, because that's a small church context. It's mostly the pastor's salary. Second guy said, oh, well, um, I have a little different system. We have a stairwell with 10 steps in the staircase at the church. And so I take all the money that's in the plate. I grab it all at once and I throw it up the stairs. And whatever lands on the top step, that tenth, that's God's. And I keep the rest. And the last pastor said, well, I I guess I have more faith in you guys. I, I just couldn't do it that way. I take all the money from the plate. I throw it straight up and whatever he keeps, that's his. Well, if you've seen anything like that, maybe you've been discouraged and you do have a bad taste about honoring God with your money, but don't let that get in the way of obeying God. You have to answer to him, ultimately, wherever you are. If you're part of an assembly, then bless that assembly. Let me just encourage you with that. Here's the last verse I want to share, and these are the words of Jesus. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon, who will entrust the true riches to you? Isn't that interesting? There's tons of teaching on the physical issue of giving in the Scripture. We don't have time for it today. I'm just encouraging you to think about how do I respond to the great one, Jesus. And he said, money is just... It's the smallest issue you can deal with. You have total control over it. How do you honor me with that? That you have to answer for yourself. You have to take that before the Lord and trust him. And I think God wants to lead us way beyond tithing. I personally believe tithing is the baby step elementary school, actually kindergarten, of learning how to give. If I'm really listening to the Spirit, I think when I look at my money at the end of the year, I look at my giving... I've given more than tithing, maybe abundantly more, depending on the context. So I'm going to put myself at risk a little bit here and 
both invite you into an adventure as well as uh, see what happens. We know that this pandemic is having uh, uh, consequences all over the world, and some of us went to Kenya last year and, and just fell in love with some of those people who are serving the Lord. Pastor Joseph in a little town of Limeru uh, was a place that we had been, and uh, Bishop Oscar has said they are really going to be suffering because of all the shutting down. So I had it in my heart, and I, I've held off announcing it till today that maybe we can do something extra. Some of us, our needs are being met. If you have your needs being met, that's who I'm talking to. If you're not having your needs met, we can help you with that. Contact us. But if your needs are met, I'm going to invite you to pray and ask God to tell you, what about above and beyond? In other words, I'm already committed. Automatically, a tithe goes to the church. That's not mine. That's God's. But sometimes he puts his finger on me and says, uh, why don't you give something to that? And when I heard about that, here's what hit me. And I hope what I'm saying is a word of faith because our president said they were going to give me $1,200 in the mail. Did you hear that? Lord, when that check comes, the spirit said, put the whole thing in the plate for Kenya. That's what I'm going to do. If it shows up, that's where it's going. And if you're having your needs met and you're seeing God, I'm just encouraging you to think about what to do with that as well. If God brings in the extra, we can bless it. It may mean in the little village of Limeru, it may mean the difference between life and death, literally. Does God have permission to poke around and put his finger on things like that in your life? Only you can answer it. But you know what? I think it's part of the normal Christian life because we walk by faith led by the Spirit, not by law, legalism. So I want to encourage you to consider inheriting the blessing and responding in response, however God leads you to go into this adventure of stewardship. If you've never done it, great. If you're doing it, keep it up and ask God to grow you. Okay? God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You can contact us here at Harmony Ministries, okay? God bless.